0: Hey guys, good morning, good morning, so glad to see you, so many of you in early service. We got an extra hour of sleep last night, (laughs) glory to God. Have y'all ever noticed, let me tell you a little secret about our church. In the spring when we lose an hour, you ever notice there's a lot of Facebook posts, we send out an email, you may even get a text message, I mean we really want to get a hold of you. Whenever you gain an hour and we're like, well, the Lord will work it out. They'll just be here an hour early. We don't know. So we're excited you're here. Hey, guys, my name is Andrew, and I am the pastor at our Mount Olive location. And uh, Pastor Jim and I did a a little pulpit swap today. And uh, I just want to say how much I appreciate our senior pastor. Can we show honor to Pastor Jim right now? Let's just give him a big hand clap of praise. Are we grateful for him? You know, we're talking about the things we're grateful for. I want to say I am grateful for Pastor Jim because he is the one who initiates Sundays like today. In just a few weeks, Pastor Ryan will be with you because he wants to make sure that other locations, that all of us are aware through Sundays like this, that we are a part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves, something... We are a part of something that is so much bigger than just what we can see in here this morning. As a matter of fact, I had somebody from my location a couple weeks ago. They went to an event in downtown Goldsboro, and uh, they hadn't been coming long. And I guess they hadn't heard me say that we're one church with three locations in North Carolina, one location in Belize. We're worldwide, baby. And so they hadn't heard that. And so they go to an event in downtown Goldsboro. And there's somebody who's wearing one of the new shirts, the 18 shirts. And they were like, oh, so we've been coming a few months. We haven't met you guys. Ended up talking to them and said, Pastor Andrew, we had no idea. There's two other churches just like us. So they were pretty pumped about that. And I love what God's doing in this community, in Goldsboro, in Mount Olive, in points beyond. And so we're so grateful that we get to be a part of something that's so much bigger than ourselves. Well, guys, we are in a sermon series uh, the past few weeks called Grateful. And uh, if you haven't been with us all the weeks, let me just catch you up. So the first Sunday of the series, two weeks ago, we talked about how we are grateful for second chances, that whenever we mess up, when we blow it, when we drop the ball, that God loves us so much, not just me, not just Bible college preacher man, Pastor Andrew, God loves all of us so much that he reaches down into the muck and the mire of our sin and he pulls us up because we have a God who loves us and gives us second chances. And then last week, Pastor Jim brought a word about how we are grateful for water baptism. Guys, it was powerful. We took up Connect cards at the end of service last week. And what the office is telling me, every single location had people who wanted to be water baptized. And this location had a stack this thick of people who wanted to be water baptized. So, yeah. Go, God. You do not want to miss November 18th. We are going to dunk some people. Stuff's going to get wet. Just bring a poncho with you. We may accidentally dunk you. We don't know. So come on November 18th, it's going to be a powerful day. But but you see there's a train of thought there. So we get a second chance, we can be made right with God, then we are grateful for water baptism, and today we want to talk about how we are grateful for abundant life. We're grateful that when we get in contact with God, when we know Him as our Savior, we don't have to just make it. We don't have to just survive. There is an abundant life that is available to us. Here's kind of how we say it. That following Jesus makes your life better and it makes you better at life. Following Jesus makes your life better and it makes you better at life. Now we stole that from Andy Stanley, but it is good. And it encapsulates that idea of an abundant life. See, we often talk about heaven, that one day... We are eternal beings and one day when Jesus comes for us or one day when we leave this earth, there is an eternal home for us called heaven and we're grateful for that. That's pretty cool, walking the streets of gold. That's going to be amazing. But that's not it. When we know Jesus as our Savior, not only do we have the hope of heaven, but there is an abundant life for us here on this earth. Let me be clear, though. Let me throw a little disclaimer out. That does not necessarily mean big houses, new cars, and nice boats. That's Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. And now on Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Do you guys remember that show? So that's not necessarily what abundant life is. Although if that's God's will for me, who am I to argue? The abundant life... That we're talking about, the abundant life that we're talking about is probably best seen in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10, there is a comparison and a contrast. So Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees and he says, hey, listen, lean in. I want you to understand something. There is the good shepherd and there's the thief. Both of them are real and both have very different purposes for the sheep. Both have very different purposes for our life. And so first, Jesus explains the good shepherd. He says, here's some characteristics you need to know. The good shepherd, he enters the sheep pen through the gate. The good shepherd calls out to the sheep, and they come to him because they know their shepherd's voice, and the sheep follow the good shepherd. And then Jesus goes on to say, but the thief... Completely different. The thief jumps the fence. He doesn't come in through the gate. He's there illegitimately. He comes in, he jumps the fence, he calls out to the sheep, but the sheep don't follow him because they know that's not their shepherd's voice. And in John chapter 10, I'm a bottom line guy. Let me kind of give you the bottom line. There's this verse, verse 10. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal kill, and destroy. That's why the thief jumps the fence. That's why he's trying to get the sheep's attention because he has ulterior motives. He's got wrong motives. The the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Put that verse up, guys. I want you to read this next part with me. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Y'all did get an extra hour of sleep last night, didn't you? Read this with me now. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That is God's purpose for me and for you and for every person in here and for every person that we will ever meet. His purpose is that we would know him as Savior and that he would then be able to give us abundant life. Now, if you read that verse in other translations, it may say life to the full or life more abundantly. I just kind of like that wording, a rich and satisfying life, but it all means the same thing. And so I have a very simple goal today. I want to show you how to walk in God's purpose for your life, that rich and satisfying life. And so if I were to take a poll here this morning, don't raise your hands. But if I were to take a poll and I were to say, how many of you want a rich and satisfying life? Oh, my goodness. Every hand in this place would go up. People who are watching online at home in their pajamas this morning, their hand would go up. I want some of that. Rich and satisfying life, you said? Yes, sir, buddy. I want some. But then if I were to ask you, okay, so all of us want that, how many of you have a rich and satisfying life? My guess is far fewer hands would go up. My guess is maybe a third, a fourth. You would almost want to put qualifiers on it. Pastor Andrew, how rich? How satisfying a life are you talking about? I'm not sure if I should raise my hand right now because it's okay, but it's not great and I believe that the reason for that discrepancy is that we often allow our problems to block God's purpose for our life. The reason that not all of us could raise our hand that we are walking, as believers, that we are walking in a rich and satisfying life, is because we often allow our problems to block God's purpose for our life. Let me show it to you in Scripture. Luke chapter 17 we see there in Luke 17, there's this group of guys. And they undoubtedly want a rich and satisfying life. I mean, they, they would like that. But they've got a problem. These guys have a problem. They've got leprosy. And so they are not living that rich and satisfying life. Let me show it to you. Verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. Before I go any further, we don't understand a lot about leprosy. We don't deal with leprosy that much in our culture. Thanks to science and modern medicine, leprosy is not really something that is prevalent today. Uh, Some statistics I found said that 0.2% of the world's population In 2018, 0.2% of the world's population have leprosy. So very few, very few comparatively. Here's some things we need to know about leprosy. Leprosy is pervasive. When when you uh, got leprosy, the way it started is that there would be a white patch on your skin. And that white patch would spread all over your body. It would just take over. It would show up everywhere. And leprosy, there was no cure for it. Leprosy was especially tough on your limbs. So your, your legs, your arms, your fingers, your toes. Leprosy would, cause, leprosy would cause your skin to begin to rot. And many in biblical times, they thought that it caused your toes and your fingers and stuff to rot off. I mean, just horrible. Nobody wants leprosy. Scientists today believe that actually what probably happened is that when you had leprosy, leprosy kills your nerve endings. And, and so you just couldn't feel it. And so you would do what we all do. You slam your finger in the door accidentally. It doesn't hurt. I don't have any feeling. You you stub your toe or you burn your foot. Doesn't hurt. I don't have any feeling. And so it was tough on you. And then, and this part's gross, and I hope you're not planning on going out to eat after this. One scientist I saw said that what sometimes would happen, he's thinking, is that the rodents, the rats of that day would smell that decaying flesh, and they would come in when you were asleep, and they would begin to eat. On fingers and toes. And I see, I won't keep going with that. But again, you wouldn't feel it. So leprosy was pervasive. Took over your whole body. The other thing is leprosy was contagious. It's contagious. And so when you knew you had leprosy, the thing you had to do was you had to go to the priest and he would declare you unclean. When you were unclean, you had to go to the outskirts of town. You had to forage for food. It was not a life that anybody wanted. And in addition to the physical impact on your body from leprosy, there was an emotional toll too. See, because it was your job if you had leprosy to warn people. Let's say two people were coming up. They were just talking. They didn't see me. I have leprosy. There is a certain distance you have to keep from everyone around you. And if you see that people are infringing on you, you have to yell out, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine how that would take a toll on a person's psyche? In addition to just hurting and being in pain and my limbs, I got a feeling... I can't even be around people. Another side effect of leprosy, another thing that would happen with leprosy was you couldn't be around your family or friends. This is before the days of FaceTime and text messages and emails. And so if you had leprosy, that meant you're gonna miss the birthdays. You're not gonna get to see your kids grow up. You're not gonna be able to celebrate your anniversary with your wife. It meant that you had to be On the outskirts of town, you were completely separated. Now, I've already told you the good news is uh, leprosy, physical leprosy, is not prevalent anymore. But spiritual leprosy is. Spiritual leprosy is far from gone. It represents anything that starts small but grows until it dominates your life. Spiritual leprosy represents anything that affects and infects people around you. And spiritual leprosy represents anything that separates you from the people you love and from God. I'll give you some examples of spiritual leprosy addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, pornography addiction, uh, prescription drug addiction. Spiritual leprosy can be uh, an unforgiving spirit, a bitter root inside of you. Spiritual leprosy can be a spirit of offense. You're just kind of constantly offended, and people can say stuff, and they they didn't mean anything by it, but you took it wrong. Spiritual leprosy is very prevalent. And our tendency is going to be, as we hear that, As we think about our life, I believe that the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal to us some white patches. I believe that the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal to us some places, it may not have taken over your whole life yet, but you need to bring that thing to God. But our tendency is gonna be to hide it, to pretend like everything's okay, push it down to justify it and yet that's exactly how physical leprosy spread I mean can you just imagine you get a white spot on your arm you know what that means but you want to enjoy the last few days you have left with your family and your loved ones so you hide it and you keep going that's how physical leprosy spread The longer something's held in secret, the more power it gets and the more people it affects. And so the thing I wanna help us do today is identify our problem so that we can get it out of the way of God's purpose for our life, amen? Three steps to realizing God's purpose for your life. Number one, I will call on Jesus. I will call on Jesus. Can I just pull back the curtain right now? Here's here's the preacher curtain, okay? Pulling it back. When I get ready to preach, I think to myself, when I say this, what are they going to be thinking? Not because I want to make sure you like it or you're, you know, I don't step on toes. That's not what I'm doing. I want to think, now if I were to be in the audience, if I were to be hearing that, what would I think? So this is kind of confusing. You know what I think you're thinking right now? I think when you think about what I just said, I think you're like, I will call on Jesus. What a churchy answer. Right? I mean, come on. Everybody knows. Of course the pastor said call on Jesus. So I have two boys and... uh, They, by the way, did not get the memo about the extra hour of sleep. They still woke up early. But I have two boys, and they are incredible. I love my two little guys. I have Mason, who's three, and I have Landon, who's one. And uh, one of the things I was so excited about whenever Mason turned three was he would get to go in our preschool ministry here at church. See, you guys, maybe y'all don't realize it. But our kids' ministry here is incredible. And I was so excited that my son was going to get to be a part of the preschool ministry. And then a couple months go by, and this summer I noticed something. It's amazing. But sometimes, and if, you have, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you're just like, whoa. Whoa. It just kind of clicked for my kid. And now, all of a sudden, one day, they're saying words that I didn't know they knew. And they're, like, comprehending on a different level. And you can just tell. You go along, and it seems like nothing changes. And then one day, light switch. And this summer, Nicole and I were talking about it. And we were like, holy cow, this kid's a genius. I mean, he is so smart. And so we were excited Ship off the old block, you know? <laughs> Harvard, call Harvard, let's go ahead and get the early admittance exam, you know, line that baby up. And so he goes to preschool. I corner him after church, and I said, "Hey, buddy, tell Daddy, what you learn about today in preschool?" And boy, he went to thinking. His little brow furrowed, he put his hands on his hips, he looks down. I can tell he is thinking couple seconds go by, he looks up at me, wide-eyed, big smile. He said, Jesus. I said, yeah, that's my boy. All right, what did Jesus do in the story you heard today? And again, the same pose. And he's thinking, another couple seconds go by, and he looks up at me, wide-eyed, big smile. Jesus. Cancel that Harvard thing. We're good. We may not need that yet. What my son knows at three is that at church, the right answer is most often Jesus. (laughs) But can I help all of us this morning? No matter what problem you are facing, what difficulty is in your path, what you are going through, what valley you are in, For us, the right answer is still Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Give Jesus a hand clap. And so go back to our story. All right? Jesus met, he's on the outskirts of town. He meets these 10 lepers. Leprosy represents anything that blocks us from that rich and satisfying life. And we pick it up in verse 12. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. So they're doing good. They're on the right track. They're calling out to Jesus. And then what happens next may surprise you. Because in verse 14, when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. Well wait, we, we already learned that when you show yourself to the priest the priest can declare you unclean and so the opposite of that is true as well. The priest can also declare you clean but the problem is as they look down nothing's changed. They're still leprous. Their, their hands and their feet and their toes and their nose leprosy is still prevalent on their body but scripture says as they went they were cleansed. As they went, these guys responded in faith and took that next step and as they did, they were cleansed. And so the first step toward a rich and satisfying life is to follow Jesus. I will call on Jesus. The second step is I will take a step of faith. And so that's what these guys did. Jesus told them, all those years ago, to take a step of faith. And I believe that in November, 2018, he's telling us to do the exact same thing, to take a step of faith. I wanna show you what this looked like in the life of another leper. In 2 Kings chapter five, we see Naaman. Some of you are familiar with this story, some of you may not be. Let me hit the highlights. Verse 1, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. Because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. Look at that. It is like a list of accomplishments. He was a commander. He was a great man. He was highly regarded. He was a valiant soldier. But. But. Three little letters that completely changed the trajectory of this story, but he had leprosy. And it didn't matter how rich and how powerful and what a good soldier he was, none of that mattered because Naaman had a problem. But he hears through some connections, and you guys should go and read 2 Kings chapter 5 this afternoon, it's so good. But through some connections, he hears, if you go to the prophet Elisha's house, you'll be healed. He can heal you. He has that power. He can call on the Lord, his God. And so Naaman does what any of us would do. Naaman goes and calls on Elisha. But what happens next is actually kind of funny. We don't know what Elisha was doing in his house. I don't know if he was on a Netflix marathon I don't know if he was in a bubble bath. We don't know what Elisha was doing. But he doesn't even come out of the house. He sends a servant and he says, Go and tell Naaman to wash seven times in the Jordan River and he'll be healed. Naaman's ticked. Naaman is mad. He is a commander. He is a valiant soldier. He is right there with the king. People show me respect. Let's just read it in verse 11. Naaman went away angry. I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and maybe wave his hand over the spot. Or I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I thought he would do something. Are not the rivers of Damascus better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? Let me tell you guys something about me. I understand Naaman, okay? And this is bad to admit, but I'm going back to Mount Olive next week, so it don't matter. (laughs) So I know that I'm a maximizer. I know that when I tell a story I don't lie, but boy, I know how to tell a story. I just know how to tell, and I'll work it, and and by the time I'm done, here's what I want to happen. I want to kind of whoop people up into a frenzy. If I'm mad, I want you to be mad with me at whatever it is I'm mad at. Or at least I want sympathy. Oh, man, I hate your having to go through that. You know, that kind of thing. But let me tell you about these staff members you got in Princeton. See, my office is here in Princeton. We're portable in Mount Olive, so I would be homeless if I had an office there. So I'm still here, and, uh, and my office is surrounded by Valerie, who you saw doing the welcome earlier, Pastor Jenny, Sarah, and Pastor James. Let me tell you about these guys. They're optimists. Oh, it's so annoying. Ugh! And I'm telling a story, and I'm mad, and I'm trying to, and you know what they're doing? Well, I wonder if that person was having a bad day. Well, did you ask them what's going on? No. I'm dicked, you know. And so they won't go with me. They talk sense into me just like Naaman's servant talks some sense into him. Verse 13, Naaman's servant went to him and said, If the prophet had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? Hey, boss, I think you might be dealing with some pride. I mean, if there was something simple, you would have done it. But you had this expectation for what was going to happen. And when your expectation wasn't met, when it wasn't something grand, now all of a sudden you're mad. And I wonder how many of us, God is calling us to something and it looks simple. And to be honest with you, if we were to answer that call, if we were to take that next step, man, it would be humbling. For some of you, you're wondering, where's God at in your life? And he's called you to the parking lot team. He's called you to be over there in that nursery and you won't do it because you think, well, nobody would see me over there. I wouldn't be able to, I'm trying to network, I'm trying to be, and it's a humbling next step and it's something maybe you don't want to do, but it's a simple one. And so maybe it's being baptized on November 18th. Maybe the next step for you is to join a bridge group or to be a bridge group leader. What is that next step and will you take it? Will you be obedient to what God's calling you to do? Naaman, after his servant, talked some sense into him. Verse 14, he did what Elisha told him to do. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Naaman took that next step. These ten lepers, they took that next step. I will call on Jesus. I will take a step of faith, and then the third step to realizing God's purpose for our lives, I will be the one who is grateful. I will be the one who is grateful. So remember, when we left these 10 guys, Jesus said, Go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Just imagine what it was like for those 10 guys. You're walking along, you're going to the priest, and the further you get away from Jesus and the closer you get to the priest, all of a sudden, these white patches are disappearing. All of a sudden, my hands and my toes, they're all working, they're all looking normal, they're all coming back, and I have feeling in them. I'm just here to tell you, I don't know exactly what they did in that party that day, but allow me some imagination. I know what some of you did yesterday when your football team won. Woo, yeah! We scream, we shout. I just picture these 10 guys screaming and shouting and singing praise. Thank you, Jesus. And they're excited, running toward the priest, skipping because they know their life that they thought was over, by the way. No cure for leprosy. They thought it was over. And now all of a sudden, I get my life back. I get to go back to my family I get to be normal again. I don't have to forage for food on the outside of town. And so they come back. They show themselves to the priests. But during the whole story, we've been talking about the ten. But now they break up, and one does something different. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. One guy comes back grateful. What we've been talking about this whole series. One guy comes back with a heart full of gratitude. And his gratitude spills over into worship. And he begins to worship Jesus for all that he's done. And it's such a powerful scene. And Jesus, as he's talking to the Samaritan, it's almost a byline. As he's talking to the Pharisees, he says, and he was a Samaritan. Now, we read right over that. That doesn't mean anything to us. But for those Pharisees in that room, instant tension. Because the Israelites... They viewed the Samaritans as less than. They viewed them as being just kind of the scum of the earth, and they're so vile, they're reprehensible. But the guy who comes back and worships, he was a Samaritan. And then let's just finish it up, verse 17 through 19. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. The King James Version translates that, your faith has made you whole. That that last word there, that's the Greek word sozo. Sozo, it means completely delivered or saved. This guy, all ten were healed, one came back to worship. And a literal translation is, your faith has saved you. Ten were healed, one was saved. And once we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, there is an abundant life that is available for us. A rich and satisfying life. Guys, I was called to preach when I was 17 years old. There were people in my family who were absolutely devastated. They thought Andrew is good at telling stories. He could be a lawyer. (laughs) He could make a lot of money. He could do other things. Don't be a pastor. I'm serious. People in my life tried to talk me out of it. But I knew God was calling me to ministry. And my whole goal, the thing I want to give my life to, and the thing I hope that you will give your life to as well, not maybe in ministry. But wherever you are, at that police station, at that school, in that office building, the thing that I hope you'll give your life to is telling other people about Jesus so that they can have heaven as their home and so that they can know the reason for the hope and the joy and the peace you have, the abundant life you have here on this earth. And it's through the person of Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, I want to give you that opportunity. If you would, bow your head, close your eyes. I believe if you mean the things that I'm going to say, if you mean them in your heart, then Jesus will be your Savior right here this very day. We pray, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for what you've done for me. Thank you for sending Jesus that as he died on that cross, he bore all of my suffering, all of my shame, all of my sin, and because of his sacrifice, I can be made whole. I can be saved. I can be reunited with a holy God. I, as a sinful man, can be reunited with a holy God. So God, I pray right now that you would forgive me of my sin. I pray that you would come live in my heart. I pray that you would help me to live this out every day of my life. I believe that if you prayed that prayer, you're saved. And so now I just wanna pray for the rest of us. Heavenly Father, thank you for those that have already made that decision a long time ago. I pray, Father, that none of us would allow our problems to block your purpose for our life. That we would know that rich and satisfying life. That we would know you more. That that we would get close to the source of all wisdom, to the source of all love, to the source of all joy. That we would be close to a God who loves us, to the good shepherd who has a good purpose for our life. I pray that each and every one under the sound of my voice would know what it is to walk in abundant life. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. And every person here said, Amen, amen. Hey, guys, if you prayed that first prayer for the very first time, I want you to text new life to that number right there. We'll be in touch with you. And we just want to get some resources in your hand. Hey, listen, if you're a first-time guest, when you go out these doors to the left, we've got a gift we want to put in your hand. You're our VIP, so make sure you go by and grab that. And then come back next week. Pastor Jim is going to be bringing the final installment of this series, Grateful, and it's good. You don't want to miss it, all right? God bless you guys. Have a great week.